Welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. We're so glad you're here. This season, we are gathering around the mics to share about the love of God poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You can find out more about our work on social media at Daughter St. Paul. Enjoy today's episode. Hi, welcome to Dare to Dwell, a podcast with the Daughters of St. Paul. My name is Sister Orian Pietra Renee. I'm Sister Julie Benedicta. And today, we are diving into a double whammy. A double whammy! Which does not mean that it will be doubly long, so no. panic not. <laughs> no, we're, we're, we're pairing them up because they would be super short, actually. Yes. Yeah. So we're going to be looking at chapters 7 and 8 from The Sanctifier, if you happen to be reading along. If you don't, no worries, because you don't have to read along to get it. <laughs> nope. No. So chapter 7 is called, The Holy Spirit Consecrates Us. Mm-hmm. And chapter 8 is called Practicing the Presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so before we go anywhere, what does it mean to consecrate? Tell me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so super simply put, to consecrate something is to set it apart for a particular use and, and specifically a holy one, right? So when we are consecrated through our baptism, I think a lot of people, when they hear consecration, they think of like religious consecration or the consecration of the Eucharist mm-hmm. or the consecration of the sacred vessels that will hold the body and blood of Jesus Christ, right? But in fact, baptism is a consecration of a person, of a human, yep, to God yep, in the Holy Spirit. So if you have been baptized, you have been consecrated, you have been set apart for the Lord. Every single ion of you, every chromosome, (laughs) your X chromosome, if you have a Y chromosome, your Y chromosome, like every (laughs) single piece of you has been set apart for the Lord and for his belonging and glorification. Yeah. And it's the way that that's done is through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. So if consecration is the setting aside of something for some purpose, the one that does the setting aside or the one that does the the marking of the thing to be set aside mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And I think that's a really important thing to remember is that we don't we don't consecrate ourselves. We do often say that in language, like I consecrate myself too. But really what we're saying is that in a very intentional way, we are accepting mm-hmm. that God is consecrating mm-hmm. us. So we will put it in our own action to show our acceptance, our active acceptance. But in reality, God is the one who consecrates. Yeah. And in fact, what we do when we come for our religious consecration, Mm -hmm. um, like our formula for our vows actually even uses the words. So each each community is going to do this a little little bit differently, but their vow formula will have been approved by the church. Mm -hmm. Yes. And... So ours says, in response to the love of God, who has called me to follow more closely Christ the Master, way and truth and life among the daughters of St. Paul, I, in full freedom, totally offer myself to the Father to be consecrated Mm -hmm. by him in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. I just got chills. Isn't that cool? Like, it's not, it's not, like, sometimes, sometimes it's summarized. You'll see, like, um, cute little... Well, we will see. Probably very few of you will see. We will see (laughs) (laughs) like greeting cards that say things like, I offer, give, and consecrate. Yes. And it's sweet 
but it's not exactly accurate because I'm right. not the one consecrating. I cannot consecrate myself. Right. So it is, I offer myself to the Father to be consecrated by him in Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And especially religious profession, because it's not a sacrament, right. it really actually is just a deepening of our baptismal consecration. Yes. So that formula also works to describe the baptismal consecration. Right. We offer ourselves to the Father to be consecrated by him in Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's really beautiful because I really love how in chapter 7 at the very beginning when Martinez is kind of setting the stage for consecration, he compares the Holy Spirit to a traveler in the desert. Mm -hmm. And he gives a metaphor that actually I thought kind of fits perfectly why we called this podcast Dare to Dwell and why even on the logo we have a tent-shaped stained glass window. He says, like the traveler pitching his tent in the desert, the Holy Spirit takes possession of souls as their most sweet guest. But unlike the traveler who folds his tent as morning breaks, the eternal guest stays on. The tent he pitches on the soil of our barrenness is something divine a sketch, a reflection of our heavenly home. Grace that divinizes the soul, divine charity, the supernatural image of the Spirit who pours himself into our hearts, all the virtues and gifts. These are the conditions of his indwelling, that he may begin his work of sanctification and direct us with the strong, gentle influence of love. Mm. I think that is so cool because if you think about pitching a tent, I don't know if you guys listening have pitched tents before, but if you have and it wasn't a pop-up tent, (laughs) just not, I mean, it's a tent, it's just, you're just not pitching it is all. Yeah. Pitching a tent means you're like setting up the pegs, you're like, Mm -hmm. you got the strings or whatever equivalent you have, right? Mm -hmm. The strings, the rope, (laughs) not strings. (laughs) The ties, yeah. The ties. I swear I know what I'm talking about. Um. And it it really does involve, like, you have to find some kind of anchor point. Mm -hmm. It might involve breaking ground Mm -hmm. a little bit. There is strength that is required there. And yet there is also tenderness required because you cannot rip that tent, man. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you are, you do have to also be careful with the ground and the environment around Mm -hmm. you that you're doing this in respect not to destroy where you are, but to become a living part of it, right? And... I really love how he pulls out that not only is this a permanent dwelling, this is a permanent (laughs) tent, but also just as it takes like expertise and patience and um, like savvy (laughs) Mm -hmm. to pitch a tent well, the Holy Spirit has all of those things in how he brings his fullness in us. He doesn't pitch half of a tent. He pitches the whole tent, and that means he's bringing all of his gifts, right? And when when Martinez is saying that these are the conditions <laughs> of the indwelling, it doesn't mean that the first time we have a doubt or a question or you mess up, the conditions haven't been met, therefore he leaves. It means that this is what he brings. Mm-hmm. He comes or he doesn't. And if he comes, if, if we receive baptism, this is what he comes with. And I love how it's so simple. It's just so simple. Yeah. 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 Um, in the 90s, uh, Pope John Paul II gave a series of catechesis. He was he he did a lot of these, right? Where like he would give his Wednesday audience catechist oh, catechetical. Yeah. 
talk as like a series. Yes. And so in the 90s, maybe he, he may have started in the 80s, but it definitely went through the 90s. Um, he started doing uh, the catechesis on the creed. And oh. toward the end of it, of course, the creed goes into the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So I was praying with some of his talks on the Holy Spirit from that series, it, kind of in preparation for this. And one of the things that I really loved was he talks a lot about the divine indwelling. And I'm not going to read you all the quotes that he has about the divine indwelling. <laughs> you can find them online. They're great. Um, but the one of the ones that I really loved that I kind of linked to my note on on this section is where he says, therefore, the influence of the divine indwelling in a person is extended to his or her whole being. It extends to his or her whole life in which all its constitutive elements and operational activities is placed under the action of the Holy Spirit, of the Spirit of the Father and the Son, and therefore also of Christ the Incarnate Word. This Spirit, alive in the Trinity by virtue of the redemption won by Christ, is present in the entire person who lets himself or herself be inhabited by him Mm. and in all of humanity which recognizes and accepts him. Beautiful. I just, I love this. The spirit who is alive in the Trinity. Like we have to remember like who he is and where, like, yes, he is in us. He is also still very much God and in heaven (laughs) and in the Trinity. Yeah. And he's alive in the Trinity, but by the virtue of the redemption won by Christ is present in our entire person. Mm. I love that. And I love how he's bringing out what that means for the individual and for humanity. Mm-hmm. There, hold on, I didn't actually mark this one, but I know it's in here. Okay, Martinez says, when a temple is consecrated to God, it is a place set apart for him alone. The greatest possible purity and solidity, the truest art, are used in its construction, and after it is magnificently ornamented, so we're not talking like 70s style art here, in our souls. Really, really beautiful. <laughs> right, really beautiful. And very inspirational and really no offense to, to the 70s. holy, beautiful contemplation. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is offered to God to be his forever. All around the temple is the land that belongs to the children of men. The temple is the gate of heaven, the house of God. Outside it, one can do all that is lawful. Within, one can only give glory to God. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is this divine simplicity in what Pope John Paul was pulling out in your in your quote there, Sister Benedicta, that... In a sense, this is very simple. Yeah. It's very straightforward. Yes. And on the other hand, it's really not. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah. But I think the fact that we can recognize for a second that just as when I walk through the doors of a church, right, or in this case, they're talking about the temple, but when I walk through the doors of a church where I know that the Blessed Sacrament is there, or when I walk through the doors of a church because I'm late for Mass and Mass has already started— <laughs> I am, in a sense, walking through a gate to heaven, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And here, Martinez is reminding us that, no, you mm-hmm. are the gate to heaven. You are a yeah. temple. Yeah. And and not only do we need to remember that, like, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I am a gate to heaven. There is something of heaven in me by virtue of my baptism. Mm-hmm. I also have to remember that about my neighbor. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because that 
can be hard. I think both can be really hard in different ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it how in 1 Corinthians, Paul is like, do you not know that you are temples of the Holy Spirit? And in the context that he puts that in, it really does have a double meaning. Mm -hmm. He's referring to the individual reading the letter Mm -hmm. or being read to, but he's also referring to the community. Like, do you not know that one another? Yeah. You are looking at and speaking to and like telling off and whatever. Yeah. A temple of the Holy Spirit. Like yeah. you need to step back and remember who you are. Yeah, because that's the same hands. letter. That's the same letter where he spells out so much of right. what is the body of Christ and how are we united. And, yeah. Yeah. Is it the same letter? I don't I have a hard time remembering which one it is where he toward the end of it, he's like, see with what large letters I write this in my own hand. <laughs> It's like, please be more dramatic. <laughs> oh, wait, you can't? Oh, right. <laughs> but he's, he's, he is. He's so dramatic. But he because is. he, like, means it so intensely. And right. it's, I love it when you hear things like that from him, too, of, like, don't you know? <laughs> like, yeah. And I love it because, I mean, it is dramatic, but he he's not being, like, well, he's not being the dramatic in the sense that he's not acting anything up or playing anything up. He's being 100% sincere and actually in a manner that's actually quite appropriate to what's at yeah. stake. Yeah. Right? And to the medium he's using. He's writing a Absolutely. letter. You know, it's not like he could it's not like he could FaceTime him and be like, bro. All caps, underline, highlight in yellow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is um, in chapter seven, when he's walking through consecration and baptism, Martinez says that we were consecrated to be temples of the Holy Spirit on the day of our baptism. And this is clearly set down in the ritual prescribed for the administration of the sacrament. Mm -hmm. The priest breathes three times in the face of the one who is going to be baptized. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is this is based on the ritual that was of the time that he was writing, which was in the 40s and 50s. Right. And rituals may alter as long as the substance of them is correct Mm -hmm. within the realm of the church's, um, you know, discernment and decision together, Mm -hmm. which the church has the authority to do. But. In his time and in his place, the priest breathes three times in the face of the one who is going to be baptized, which probably was not a comfortable experience, but it does actually harken back to when Jesus breathes on his disciples Mm post-resurrection and says, go out from him, unclean spirit, and give place to the most holy spirit, which is an act of exorcism. It is. And it it calls back to, to where Jesus said, I think in the Gospel of Matthew, when he talks about the the soul who hasn't, you know, the the spirit cast out has the evil spirit cast out, and mm-hmm. the evil spirit goes and just kind of wanders around, and then decides to return back to its former home, and it finds it just kind of swept and cleaned up and empty, right? And so, not only does it return, but it brings seven of its buddies with him, right? Because there was no one there. <laughs> yeah, and Jesus says, and so the condition of this person is worse than the than in the beginning, right? right. And so, whereas in our case. Somebody is there. Right. It's not swept and empty. It's the Holy Spirit taken up. And you want to talk about a stronger protector than that? I don't think you can find one. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. So I do think it's a really beautiful thing for us to remember that, yes, we are. Baptism does cleanse us of original sin. Mm -hmm. But in consecration, we have to remember that we have actually been promised to God entirely, that we have promised him that we don't want there to be room. Right. For anybody else but him. Right. Which I think this aspect of of this older right is a is a beautiful way of kind of flushing out. And okay, the the ordinary ministers of baptism, the meaning the ones who should be doing it, 
are the bishops and the priests, Mm -hmm. right? And that goes back to, you know, the, the very beginning of Christianity. However, this is fascinating to me. I'm going to open my catechism. I'm not making this up. (laughs) If you open up your catechism, number 1256, those points that are numbered, talks about who can baptize. And it does remind us that the ordinary ministers, the ones who should be doing it in an ideal circumstance, are the bishops and priests. And in the Latin church, which is the most common in the West anyway, but not the only Catholic um, rite, deacons are also an ordinary minister. Ordinary ministers. Mm-hmm. However, in the case of necessity, so basically an emergency, <clears throat> anyone, even a non-baptized person mm-hmm. with the required intention, and then it explains what the intention is, can baptize using the Trinitarian baptismal formula. The intention required is to to will to do what the church does when she baptizes. And the church finds the reason for this possibility in the universal saving will of God and the necessity of baptism for salvation. And to me, I mean, we should always be going to bishops and priests for baptism, with the exception of when there's an emergency. But if, indeed, as Martinez breaks open over and over and over and over again, the gift of baptism is, in fact, the gift of love. Mm-hmm. right, of indwelling of love. And we know that God loves everyone, that Christ died so that redemption is open and accessible to everyone, whether or not we accept it is a whole other story. But therefore, because his will for that is for everyone, even a non-baptized person lives in the reality of that will, whether they have accepted it for themselves or not. And therefore, can unite their will to that will yep. so that you may receive the gift of that will. Yeah. And how crazy is that? And also, I think that reminds us so powerfully that no matter where we are in life, like if we're still struggling with whether or not we want to be baptized or, mm-hmm. or whether we should be, if we are worried about someone because they're putting it off and putting it off and they don't want, they don't know if they want to do it and we're worried that they're not really seeing how much God loves them, in order to respond with that, with seeking baptism, or whatever the case may be. This is one way that we can, as in chapter 8, he keeps talking about, live consciously in the presence of the Holy Spirit. We know that his will is present everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing about it, too, is like, you think about the most essential things for life, right? Mm -hmm. So like, the things we can live the least long without would be air and water. Right. Right. They also happen to be two of the most present yes things on earth right Mm -hmm. like it is unless you live in the middle of like death valley or something Mm -hmm. in which case you've chosen to be in the middle of death valley (laughs) that's on you but (laughs) but if you look at like the average over the planet Mm -hmm. like air and water are fairly abundant resources right and they are the things that we need the most and so why would that not also be true for our spiritual needs yes and in areas where that changes, even in terms of physical geography, when people are stuck places where water, for example, becomes less and less accessible, mm-hmm. because of the way our, our world is structured and how we are structured, we actually do have the opportunity to share mm-hmm. from the overabundance in one area with another. Therefore, meaning it is, in fact, possible for those to be present everywhere. Yeah. It's so good. And, okay, I'm going to go back a little bit 
Please do. Because I think it's good to talk about like how available baptism really is. Yes. But also still, I'm still thinking about the effects and about mm-hmm. the consecration. Mm-hmm. And this idea that that baptism, which is one of the, it is the most essential spiritual reality mm-hmm. for any person in order to survive, yeah. right? Yeah. It also, not only is it essential, it also, it consecrates us. It sets us aside for a different purpose, which means just like you were saying, like if we're in the church, if we're in the temple, we are there for a particular purpose. Mm-hmm. We're not there to play a tennis match or to... <laughs> dribble a basketball or to have a rock concert right like that's not the place for those things Mm -hmm. in the same way like our souls become the temple of the holy spirit and therefore we all of our entire person Mm -hmm. is because our body is actually like is included in that when Mm -hmm. i say our soul so our entire person is also set aside just for the glorification of god and what i love is that St. Paul makes that so incredibly like real or yeah. like tangible when he says, whatever you do, yep. whether you eat or drink, or you could add like ride your bike or yeah, yeah, yeah. like whatever Watch you Netflix. do. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And and what's beautiful is that by virtue of our baptism, that's possible. Yes. We can ride our bike for the glory of God. We can watch Netflix with our family for the glory of God. We can do those things for the glory of God. Mm-hmm. We can. Yeah. And it's because of our baptism that that's possible. Right. And that's just like so cool to me. Like, like yes, it is a setting aside and a setting apart. There are things that become unavailable to us. Yes, naturally. And so, and that, you know, those things that are unavailable, if we reach out to them, that would be called sin, right? right. But Outside of that, everything else that we can possibly do, I think he he put it in a different sense. I can't find it right now. But like basically he said, whatever is not unlawful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever else we can do that is not sin, that thing can be brought to become something offered for the glory of God. Yes. Whatever it is. And that is when we're baptized, we, we will often say we're baptized priest, prophet, king, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We're not talking about the ordained priesthood, but we're talking about our baptismal priesthood. And that is how we live out our baptismal priesthood, to be able to offer all of those things up to the Lord and, you know, to participate in the liturgy, to offer up sufferings, all those kinds of things. We have that ability. Mm -hmm. And that's not something to take lightly. Like, that's kind of a huge deal. Yeah. There is... I really like how you were kind of drawing out, Sister Benedicta, that naturally there are things that do then become unavailable to us, right? There are things that you don't bring into a church or bring into a temple. There are things you don't bring into yourself or Mm -hmm. participate in. And um, there is this quote. Hold on. I got to find it because I think it's so great. Okay. In Okay. It's in chapter eight. So practicing the presence of the Holy Spirit. And it says, what a mysterious thing is love. (laughs) Nothing so strong and nothing so gentle. It is death and it is life. It ruthlessly kills all thoughts that do not correspond to its unique thought, all affections that are not fused in its unique flame, and all acts that are not the pedestal of its greatness. And when it destroys, it builds. When it kills, it gives life, new life, full and fruitful. It's very um, vehement language, and it might come off a little bit like, 
off-putting almost, like violent. It ruthlessly kills. Ruthlessly kills. That's the first thing I think of when I think of love. It ruthlessly kills. <laughs> I mean, it does sound kind of bad. But, but what is, is it killing? Exactly. So this is what it's talking about. Mm-hmm. It's, it is without hesitancy, mm-hmm. right? Ruthlessly cutting off all of those things that kill, mm-hmm. right? Sin. Mm-hmm. Are, are seeking out even of those things. Mm-hmm. Temptation. Temptation. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. that we won't experience temptation, but it kind of nips nips in the bud. You could mm-hmm. also use that if you prefer gardening to war. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you could use that metaphor as well. And I think it's so important to remember in the Old Testament, in the first book of Samuel, mm-hmm. there is this story where, you know, the, the Israelites are in a war with the Philistines. The Philistines basically win and they take the Ark of the Covenant. They capture it basically and they bring it back to the temple of one of their gods. And Basically, they're doing that to kind of gloat and be like, yeah, like, here's your great, powerful God in this little box. And I'm Mm going to put him right beside my huge statue of this impressive God who helped us win the battle. And Mm -hmm. obviously, our God is better than your God. And also, whatever God, whatever power your God had is now ours because it's in our temple. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But what happens for (laughs) the priests of this not real God keep coming into their temple for two days, and both times, the statue of their god is knocked over. Like, he's—no one can figure out why there wasn't any earthquake. They're, they're like, so confused, and this is really weird. And on the third day, they come in after having, you know, like, re-erected him twice. The statue is broken into pieces on the floor. And I think that is so important because here we—this is a perfect example of love killing what is not love in us, right? And basically, it's destroying this false um, belief that they had in a God who not only was not real and not protecting them, but also demanding things of them that were not healthy, right, in the religion that they had at the time. And it's a prefigurement of Christ's resurrection that on the third day, he broke death. Mm -hmm. He broke it. He killed it. Death is dead. Mm -hmm. You know? Those Which are the I love things. the the taunt. I think Paul Paul's usually I, it's usually <laughs> assumed that Paul is quoting like a hymn, yeah. a Christian, an early Christian hymn. But the taunt that he quotes of like, "Oh, death, where is your sting?" Like, right? Where's your victory? Where's your sting? Yeah, it's yeah. not there. You're dead. Yeah, yeah. You got none. You got none. Yeah. And I think that is really important to remember because when we feel, you know, how sometimes you're really struggling with something and it's almost like it's got its grip. On mm-hmm. you, It's almost like it's personified and it's hunting you mm-hmm. down and it's stronger than you. Yeah. And I think we've all had some kind of experience like that. And to know that that's the thing. Jesus is going to battle for you. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is fighting for you. Mm-hmm. The Father is the director of this army and he is not going to let that thing bring you down. And that is what love kills. Love kills hate. Love kills death. Mm-hmm. It has no life. Yeah. And it kills all the things that lead to that. Exactly. A nice violent little metaphor for our reflection. Love it. So he goes directly from love ruthlessly kills yeah. to, <laughs> to this other. It's kind of a tender and like sorrowful mm. uh, image. Mm-hmm. He says, when our eyes do not behold the beloved everywhere and when our thoughts do not go to him as the sunflower turns to the sun, when our heart does not rest in the presence of the beloved or does not search for him with torturing anxiety when he seems to go away, 
when all the strength of our being does not throw itself upon the divine beloved as the impetuous torrent that rushes toward the ocean, then love has not yet attained its perfect development. Mm. So is, he's saying, yeah. he's saying like these, this kind of sad image mm-hmm. is actually what we want. Right. Because we want what our love. eyes. Yes. Yeah. We want our eyes to behold the beloved everywhere. Yes. We want our thoughts to go to him as the sunflower turns to the sun. We want our heart to rest in his presence. We want to search for him with torturing anxiety. When he seems to not be there. When yeah. he seems to not be there. You can think of like that's that's the um, the mystery of the rosary with, with uh, finding Jesus in the temple, right? Yes. Like the image of Mary and Joseph with torturing anxiety yeah. seeking for Jesus. Like, do I have that kind of driving force behind mm-hmm. my search for the beloved? Mm-hmm. Do I? Because if I don't, I don't really love him yet. Right. And and there is, I, I love how he says tortured anxiety because it, it points to the pain that comes with longing. Mm-hmm. And I also think it, it harkens back so beautifully to the Song of Songs when when the 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 bride, the woman, is looking everywhere for her beloved. She has no idea where he went. She's going around town asking absolutely everybody. Mm-hmm. And she actually says, do not awaken love before its proper time. Mm-hmm. Like she she keeps, she's in pain. Because it hurts. Yeah, Exactly. Like that's how much pain she's in. And is she telling people not to fall in love? Of course not. Yeah. But this is a way that she expresses the depth of pain that she is experiencing. But it is a pain of love and it's the pain that's driving her to keep looking yep right because if she's just gonna sit on her bed and languish and wait maybe Mm -hmm. till he shows up like no our love prompts us into action and he never actually went away (laughs) no but she couldn't see him Mm -hmm. and you know what what love of any person is okay with them being gone for a really long time? That doesn't mean we don't accept its necessity. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we don't support someone who needs to leave, but part of us is not okay. Yeah. It's it's painful. And it's because we love. That it yeah. t- that tells us our love is real. Mhm. And it's painful because and I'm just going back to the past few chapters like mm-hmm. it's painful because Love desires union. Yes. Love desires perfect mutual possession. Mm -hmm. And when we're separated, we don't have that. Yeah. And that desire becomes really painful. And that's also why love is powerful and can ruthlessly kill anything that gets in the way of that. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Like if and rightfully, like there, there is a kind of love that could ruthlessly kill anything that got in the way and then you become a stalker. Right, <laughs> that is, which isn't actually love. It's, it's like not, obsession, right? Yeah, it's yes. a different love than right. what we're talking about, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, just to be really clear, we're talking about like the love of God. We're talking about yes. charity. We're talking about. So, this is what like sometimes um, has been described as like need love, right? Mm-hmm. Which has been one way of of translating that that idea of eros, of kind of erotic love, mm-hmm. and and we think of that in a lot of different ways that have been formed by our culture. Right. But there's a, definitely a philosophical and theological nuance to that. And um, in Deus Caritas Est, which was one of the encyclicals written by Pope Benedict XVI, he talks about, he points out that like many people have kind of shown that there's, or, or argued that there's a kind of dichotomy between agape and eros. Mm-hmm. And and that one is proper to the Christian and one is not, is kind of like 
what he lays out there. And what he says is that if this were taken to the extreme, then the essence of Christianity would be detached from vital relations to fundamental human experience. And in other words, like marriage, in other words, you're wrong because actually <laughs> Eros is is part of the human mm-hmm. experience. And this is why we can say things like right. the relationship in the Song of Songs tells me something about my spirituality and how I'm supposed to relate to Christ. Right. Because if that is not, in fact, the case, then what is that book doing in the Bible at all? Exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. And here he says in number seven of that of that encyclical, he says, Eros and Agape, ascending love and descending love. Hmm, interesting. Can never be completely separated. The more the two in their different aspects find a proper unity in the one reality of love, hmm. the more the true nature of love in general is realized or accomplished or achieved. I think that's a really important thing to note, too, is that, and 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 John Paul II makes this very clear in Theology of the Body, that our our human experience, and I'm not talking about the fallen aspect of it, but but the reality of how we were made, right? Mm-hmm. And how how we live our lives and how we've been asked to live our lives by God is sacramental. It's not a sacrament, capital S, the seven sacraments of the church, but it's right. sacramental in the sense that it reveals visibly mm-hmm. a hidden spiritual reality. So no, no human experience is going to encompass the fullness of who God is. How could it? But it's going to point to aspects of him. And it's really important to recognize that if we were made good because we were made in God's image and we're not, again, I'm not talking about the fallen aspect of human nature, like the non-fallen kind, the kind we were made for. Therefore, it must point back to good himself, goodness himself. The father alone is good, Jesus tells us, right? Yes. So what is that saying about God to us? And what is that saying about our relationship to him? Yeah. And and that's I mean this is you're pointing to exactly actually where Benedict goes with this. Oh yay! His next his <laughs> next thought is anyone who wishes to give love must also receive love as a gift. Yeah. Certainly, as the Lord tells us, one can become a source from which rivers of living water flow. Mm-hmm. Yet to become such a source, one must constantly drink anew from the original source, which is Jesus Christ, from whose pierced heart flows the love of God. Mm. So if he's looking at Eros as not just need love, but also like um, descending love right? and agape as ascending love, mm-hmm. then it has to descend into my heart mm-hmm. before it can ascend right. to Christ or to my neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, th- you have to have both. You have to have both or else they're or, or, uh, or else one or the other or both will be impoverished. Right. And it's okay if we're not comfortable using those terms in our everyday lives, but the reality of it does remain the same. Mm-hmm. And because we do live in a culture where, you know, so many of these things have been stripped of their beauty yeah. in order to be functional, to serve self, mm-hmm. naturally, we attach not sacred baggage to it. Right. Because we're attaching the not sacred baggage to something we're seeing, which in reality has been stripped of its purpose, right? And its beauty and its meaning. But there was something there that was stripped. Yeah. Right? And it's so important for us to recognize that when God loves, he does love fully. Mm -hmm. When he created us, he created us fully in love. When he comes to dwell within us, 
It's a full love. And he's calling forth a response of fullness, which becomes more full as he grows himself in us, right? Like, yeah. I think we have very limited hearts. We do. Mm-hmm. We know it. Mm-hmm. Some people have, I forget which sister of St. Therese told her this, but like, we all have different capacities naturally. I have a very low capacity for math, for example. Some people have a very high capacity for math. Some of us will love differently. It will take a different form. It will take a different expression. It doesn't mean that our love is less or not real. And Sister uh, St. Therese's sister kind of used a metaphor of um, fullness where she took a thimble mm-hmm. and she took a glass and she filled them both with water. And she didn't say which has more water. She said, which is more full? And Therese was like, well, they're both completely full. Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, mm-hmm. they're both full. Yeah. So yes, we might have different capacities, but Jesus' heart has infinite capacity. And we can't forget that when the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us, whose heart is he building in us? Our own? No, he's building Christ's heart in us. He's being, right. building a heart that loves infinitely. Right. Our capacities are smashed. <laughs> they are smashed. They are. And and yet our capacities are intense. Right. Like a couple of years ago, one of my one of the images that came to me on my annual retreat was the director gave me, um, for some reason, the uh the Gerasene demoniac to pray with. Oh wow, that's intense. I don't I actually really love that. Remember why <laughs> now that feels really weird. But um Anyway, so I was given, maybe it was actually just the reading for Mass that day. That that might have been the case. Anyway, mm-hmm. so um, so I'm reading this this passage and I'm praying with it. And the thing that I feel the Lord kind of point out to me in it is that the, the unclean spirits that came out of the man were so many mm. that an entire herd of swine yeah. could not contain it. Mm-hmm. And what I really kind of felt the Lord reminding me of is that like, the abyss of our hearts mm-hmm. is yes. immense. Right. That it is huge. An mm-hmm. entire herd of swine could not contain just the peace that was being cast out of this man. Yeah. And there was more to him than what was being cast out. Yes. So our hearts, person. our souls are immense. There is an abyss. There is just like an incredible capacity to hold so much. And you think about like, all of the people that we care for so deeply and all of the things that we hold passionately, ideas and hobbies and thoughts and, you know, just all of these things. And God is infinitely bigger and deeper than that. Mm -hmm. And so like on the one hand, we have an immensity of capacity to receive him. Yes. And to make him welcome and to show him around. And to love him with all of that depth. And also, we will never exhaust the immensity of his riches. No. I love the the expression that Jesus uses in the gospel of like packed down and flowing over. He's like, yeah. I'm cramming it all in and it still won't fit. It's mm-hmm. just going to overflow. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it so much. It's so good. It is so good. When it's easy to talk about all of these things, right? Living, well. I mean, it still takes a lot of reflection. <laughs> I'm not saying I didn't think about this at all. This is easy for you. <laughs> it's easier <laughs> to talk about these things than to live out of them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And when Martinez 
The reason we chose to put these two chapters together is not only because they're a little bit shorter, but also because they rely on one another. Mm -hmm. If the Holy Spirit consecrates us, then how do we live out of that consecration, right? How do we live out of his presence within us that does consecrate us? Right. And Martinez has a very interesting way of approaching that in a way that he purports to be practical. And I think that this is really worth mulling over to understand why or how it is practical and not just another theory, because it is practical if you sit with it long enough. And he says, if we are to obtain intimate life with the Holy Spirit and to have the sweet presence of the divine guest, there is only one definitive and efficacious means. What is it? What is it? Very unsatisfying if you were looking for an action. It is love. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so how is that definitive and efficacious in practicality? Where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. And St. Paul also reminds us that the greatest of all things is love, right? All, all mm-hmm. gifts is love. And we may add, where your heart is, there is your whole being. <laughs> the secret of recollection and the presence of God. And I'm like leaning in. I'm like, yeah, what is it? He says, is in the heart. <laughs> ah, yes. Ah, yes, yes. If one is dissipated among many concerns, it is because his heart has not yet found its treasure. Okay, I'm going to pause right there. If I am split between many concerns, does it mean that I haven't found Jesus yet? Does it mean that I haven't been baptized? Does it mean that I don't pray to the Father? Yep, it means you're a pagan. <laughs> It doesn't mean any of those things. So (laughs) when we're talking about finding our treasure, finding our treasure can mean two different things, right? It can mean I physically stumbled across a chest that was sticking out of the ground and I dug it up and there's pirate's treasure. Yay for me. Mm -hmm. I found it. But do I recognize what it is? Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the really important thing is that we will never quite recognize all that it is until heaven. But every single day, we can ask for the grace to see God better, yeah. to recognize who he is better, to recognize his voice, to recognize what he looks like in the places and the people around us. And the more we are able to find him, the less divided our hearts will be. And the practicality of that literally is as simple as pausing this podcast And saying, Jesus, I don't understand this, but I have a question. Can you help me? Mm -hmm. Period. And stop. That's the practical action. Mm -hmm. Because we really don't ask God as many things as we should. Yeah. That line of where your treasure is, there there also will your heart be. And where your heart is, there is your whole being. Mm -hmm. There's like a, it's, I would call it like a holy obsession. Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) an obsession that is healthy. Yes. Right. Because when you find the one thing that actually really matters and the one thing that actually gives you life and the one thing that actually in the truest, most beautiful core of your person can shine and bring you to the one who loves you, there's no reason not to be obsessed with that. Right. There's no reason not to let it guide every decision and every desire and every thought. And in fact, that's exactly what the saints did. Yes. Like that's why they're saints. Right. And that doesn't mean that you won't love other people. Quite the contrary. No, you'll love them better. Right. And when we talk about detachment, oh, you need need to be detached from other affections. You need to be detached. We're not saying you don't love them. Mm -hmm. We're saying that your heart is where your treasure is. And you will discover that the people that you love 
are in God. Yeah, and and the people you will find too, I have found, I find among our sisters, Mm -hmm. that the sisters that I feel closest with or the sisters that maybe I have the most affection for or the most love for are also the ones who make me think of Jesus most Mm -hmm. or the ones who show me his face in a particular way, in a new way, in a different way, in a way that maybe I might not have ever known him otherwise Mm -hmm. without knowing this person. And that's real. Right. And it's it's moving. Like when I first realized that, like, Mm -hmm. holy moly, I want to be around this person all the time. And partly it's because she shows me Jesus. Right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think Jesus can... I don't want to use the word use flippantly, but but Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father, but like the Holy Spirit can really prompt us to recognize Jesus' heart in calling us even to pray for other people who are yeah. not reflecting Christ back right. to us. Yeah. Because sometimes it's in recognizing his absence yes. that we recognize him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Or even like the people in my life who for whatever reason, have found themselves in a very difficult place, have found found themselves very far from God. Sure. I can love them better because I want what's good for them in the truest sense. Like I want heaven for them. Yes. And so even though maybe I can't be in contact with those people, maybe I I wouldn't take a phone call from them or maybe, you know, whatever whatever boundaries need to have been made in a healthy way. Yeah. I can still love them by desiring heaven for them and praying for them. And that can be a really big thing for us, whether it's someone we know personally, a family member, a a former friend, an acquaintance, a neighbor, whatever, or whether it's like looking back at history to people who made horrible decisions that affected millions of people and maybe even us as well, right? Mm -hmm. Or whether it's looking at someone in the media that we just keep seeing and they're doing these awful things and it's driving us crazy or they're leading people astray. Like, For us to be able to step back and to say, I want you to be with me in heaven, Mm -hmm. that's not um, lip service. It's actually quite difficult to say when we're wounded. can be, yeah. But those are the words of Christ that he came for us while we were yet sinners, while we were actively hurting him. Mm -hmm. He said, I want you with me in heaven. Yeah. That is the ultimate request of love. Okay, so maybe as our challenge, go to the catechism and look up the section on the sacrament of baptism to kind of read through what it actually is that you have received and that you hold and what you're called to in that. So um, so in the catechism, the paragraph numbers, regardless of which version you have, begin with 1213 and end with 1284. And we'll put that in the show notes. And those aren't pages. Those are like paragraphs. And some of them are just a couple of sentences. So it's actually quite a short little. Yeah, it's not super long. Yeah. It sounds longer than it is. Yeah. And if you don't have a catechism, then your challenge is to go ahead and order one. (laughs) And in the meantime, look in the show notes for the text of these particular paragraphs. Yes. So we'll go ahead and close with our chaplet to the Holy Spirit. And just an invitation to remember in a very particular way that we are praying to the Holy Spirit present within us. So we'll begin in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So the first decade is for the gift of wisdom. 
Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of wisdom, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come and make your home in my heart. The second set is for the gift of understanding. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of understanding, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. The third set is for the gift of counsel. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of counsel, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. For the gift of fortitude. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fortitude, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, Come make your home in my heart. For the gift of knowledge. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of knowledge, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. For the gift of piety. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. 
Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of piety, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. For the gift of fear of the Lord, come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful with the gift of fear of the Lord, and enkindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, O Lord, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, come make your home in my heart. By myself, I I can can do nothing, nothing, but with God I can can do all things. For the love of God I want to do all things. To him honor and glory, to me the eternal reward. Holy Spirit, vivify me. Love of God, consume me. The way of truth, lead me. With your grace, empower me. You are the promised one sent by the Father, reminding us of all that Jesus' Master taught. I ask you for no other knowledge, no other wisdom, than that of Christ crucified, and that he may live in me. Thank you so much for listening. Dare to Dwell is a production of the Daughters of St. Paul and is brought to you by our generous supporters on Patreon. For more information about our sisters or ministry or to learn about how you can support us, visit connect.pauline.org Patreon. God bless you.